When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan. If this is your first Geekscape, well, strap yourselves in. We're going to be talking some pop culture, movies, video games, comic books, all that stuff. And obviously we live in a burning country right now if you're in the United States. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. If you guys want the politics talk, I think we did a pretty good job last week with Ed Greer. He's a comedian you might know from Comedy Central and got a lot of good, 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 good feedback on that show. Uh, I'm really happy that you guys are responding to some of the activism going on here at Geekscape. This is a platform I've been building for a while, and it's not the biggest platform, but it's mine. And I think that right now, when you see things a little bit out of whack and people being mistreated and uh, you know, you're asking yourself, what can I do? Ask yourself what your platform is. What do you got? Who's listening? Who do you have at your disposal? And then talk to them, right? But also listen. I think that's the big one is listen to what other people are going through and let's discuss, let's talk about it. And this is kind of the forum I've made. Uh, Chris Cluey, NFL player, but also activist and game designer is going to be on the show in just a little bit. So we're going to get to that. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for not just tuning out, I guess. Uh, this is uncomfortable stuff. When you've got this push and pull and the shifts in our social structure, sometimes you end up on the outs where you end up in a pretty uncomfortable place where the known is suddenly in question. And where do you go from there? Well, let's not be alone in that. Let's not stand on a hill and be like, this is the way things should be. I think communication, what we're doing right here, is the best way to go. And that's what we do on Geekscape, whether we're talking about movies and comics and video games and stuff that you might not think matters, but I'll argue that fiction is a pretty valuable prism with which to see real-life events. Um, Well, that's what we built this for. So thank you guys so much for the feedback on me using this platform to, you know, I tried to make it funny, but ultimately telling you guys that racism, like I said last week, is a white problem. And we have to be involved intimately in fixing it from the ground up because, well, the way this country is created, we have the keys. So we got to help uh, fix the damn thing. Um, okay. You guys are doing all right? I got some news for you guys. Comic-Con isn't entirely canceled. Well, okay. Physical Comic-Con where you can maybe go to the Geekscape booth and be like, hey, how are you guys doing? And we can shake hands and hug and all that stuff. That's out. COVID-19 put that thing in the dumpster. Uh, but there is a virtual Comic-Con coming up. Same weekend. I think it's the 24th, 26th of July. And we are exhibitors there. So it's going to be digital. It is a virtual Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con, just like you know it. But... 
Uh, I don't know how it's going to work yet. I just got the email from San Diego Comic-Con uh, the last couple of days, but we're going to have like a virtual storefront or a virtual like exhibitor space. And you guys will be able to like come in, see what we've set up, see what you can get from Geekscape, find out what we're about. I hope we're right next to Marvel. You know, that's just what I'm hoping. <laughs> if they go alphabetically, though, we'll probably be like next to some, you know, dude named Gene who works in Artist Alley and draws like, you know, hentai pictures. That sometimes happens. That's just the way it is. But uh, we're happy that you guys everywhere get some form of Comic-Con. And here's another cool thing. It's free. So maybe you've never been to Comic-Con or it's in San Diego and you don't live here and, you know, all that stuff that keeps you from going to Comic-Con. This one's free. It's virtual. If you're listening to Geekscape right now on your internet, your phone, whatever you got, you can go to Comic-Con virtually this year. And we'll be there hanging out. Uh, the other thing is, if you guys are fans of Horror Movie Night, I was on yesterday's episode. You guys can find it on the YouTube page. If you guys are watching on YouTube right now, find it, talk about it. I sat down with Matt and Scott. We talked a little bit about horror movies, but mainly about superheroes and how they absolutely are political. <laughs> so I don't want to hear that shit where people are like, oh, Geekscape's still in politics now? Uh, yeah, let's wake up because uh, pop culture is nothing but political. If not political. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Does it get any more political than that? All right. That's enough out of me. Thank you guys for listening. Let's get Chris up on the show from the next county south. Let's bring him on. Chris Cluey, welcome to the show. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. How's it going? Good. Things have changed a little bit since I was hanging at your place in November. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Tiny bit. <laughs> So I uh, first off, I apologize if my dogs start barking in the background because they are dogs. It happened last time too, and I'm all good for that. If there's something that we enjoy here, it's um, talking comics, movies, video games, and the occasional dog barking. Like it's all yeah, good, right? Like I mean, that that's what being a geek is all about. Well, that it's their planet. We're just fucking it up for them. I truly believe that. Like it's a dog planet. Yeah, we're, and we're just here to take care of them. <laughs> well, I think ultimately, like, Planet of the Apes is great and everything, and sure, apes have, like, their opposable thumbs and all that, but I, I envision a future just based on, like, social interaction and pack mentality, all that stuff that dogs got going on. It's like the Statue of Liberty, when we ultimately look up, we're going to be on Planet of the Dogs. That's what I hope, is that I, the I, dogs are what Charlton Heston has to deal with. I, I'd be okay with that. I, I, <laughs> I think we do a better job. <laughs> Well, the good news is, Chris, that I think some people like our president are um, actively trying to make it happen. Humanity, you've had a good run. Let's right. it up a bit. Yeah. Let me see if I can do a hat trick of, oh, uh, uh, I, I can only pick three. Okay, I'm going to take the 1918, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to throw in the Great Depression and let's bring back the 1992 riots, but let's make them nationwide. How do we right. do that? Uh, man, I think he deserves an applause. Yeah, it's, well, it, it's funny. I actually um, I posted earlier this week where it was um, he's not he's not just speed running the Nixon presidency. Like he is literally trying to speed run every terrible presidency all at once. <laughs> <laughs> and he's succeeding. He's doing them all. That's like, the crazy thing about it is uh, I just saw a headline that Boris Johnson was voted the least popular public, like like, like world leader in like all of the world leaders. And I'm like, really? Right, yeah. <laughs> that, that that seems tough to believe. Maybe it was only based in the UK. That would explain right. why. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the vote, well, okay, there's a couple things that are, First off, this pandemic 
and we got to talk about the pandemic. I think because we were still in the midst of it when George Floyd was murdered, and yep. now we have the situation that we're currently in. Um, but uh, like Boris Johnson survived, and it's hard to like root for a pandemic. But right. like, the, if anything, this is not a very good advertisement for like white nationalism or nationalism in any sort because Brazil's like coming on strong. Oh yeah. No, they're surging from behind. They're they're really trying to overtake us. It's insane. And you know, you thought the U S was like going to run away with it and they were going to get their numbers up, you know, they're going to make America great again. But Bolsonaro is like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm coming at you strong. And I know that the U S isn't even showing the numbers from the prison systems. I'm pretty sure not all the states are reporting that, but Bolsonaro coming on strong. And the only thing I think that can stop him is if our good friend Putin actually releases accurate numbers. I don't know. It's, I I don't know. I think my money's still on Brazil because, uh, I think there's more people there. That's uh, they're uh, they're probably much more likely to get massive spreads of of the disease. And um, that was something I've actually been noticing here in in the U.S. Like, there's a lot of people that have been you know treating this like, oh well, the pandemic's gone. We don't have to worry about this anymore. Uh, you know, let's all go out and party and go to the bars. And it's like we haven't even crested the first wave. <laughs> like, like hanging out in Temecula, Chris. Because, like, well, first off, you just have to look out your window because you're like a few minutes from downtown Huntington Beach. Yeah. And yeah. God, like, all those you're people. at the epicenter of open America in California. You know, I was, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the meme going around where they showed the pictures from, you know, the people protesting to reopen versus, you know, how the police treated the protesters that were saying, hey, don't kill black people anymore. And like, and I, I was actually at that second protest, uh, you know, and and the cops, like, they they flat out rolled up in military gear. And it's just like, um, we're we're peaceful. We're standing here. And uh, I, I will say, I have had conversations with people on, on the other side where I'm like, do you not understand that there are people with literal swastika tattoos on their neck on your side? And you are not getting rid of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you about last last week's episode with Ed Greer, like that really was a pretty great conversation. And then obviously uh, this week tonight came out with an all you know defunding the police episode and just learning how much of our you know uh, police system is ingrained in that shit. Yeah, like, like, from the ground up, from from people who like went and recaptured slaves to today. <laughs> That is the system that we've had. It's well, and it's also like I, I looked at the budget for Huntington Beach, where I live. Thirty-three percent of our budget goes to police, and like we're we're closing elementary schools. Like we're trying to to cut other programs to keep like health services and education even somewhat stable. And it's like why don't we pull some of that funding from the people who have tanks? You're in a surf town. You don't need tanks. <laughs> Let's talk about it because, like, when, when people say defunding the police, and obviously, like, a lot of people have that knee jerk reaction where, they're like, holy shit, there aren't going to be any cops anymore. No one's going to be able to, like, protect me from somebody coming and stealing my PS5. Uh, what does defunding the police actually mean? Because that, that may not be the best term for it. Yeah, well, so I, I think it absolutely is the best term. And actually, uh, Michael Harriet, um, he he writes for The Root. He actually had a really good thread on that today where um, he went over basically how the uh, the only uh, black Republican senator um, has been trying to, for about like eight years now, has been trying to pass legislation, essentially um, taking away money from police departments 
in order to fund uh, education services, in order to fund health services, because the science shows that those are far more effective at dealing with the root problems that are, are causing these, these symptoms of, you know, people either being homeless, of not having enough food, you know, living in food deserts, um, not having access to, to proper education or transportation. And so when people talk about defunding the police, defunding isn't abolishing the police. You know, right. there, there is still a, a spot for an armed presence that the citizenry has given the option of using violence. Okay, that, that's basically what we as citizens give the police. We say it is okay for you to use lethal force as long as you use it appropriately. That's the contract between us. Right now, that contract is not being upheld from the police side. And so what the science has shown is that, okay, instead of pushing all this money into the police departments and having them be the ones that respond to, you know, uh, simple cases of like a homeless guy wandering down the street, right? You don't need to call the cops on that guy. What, what that person needs is he needs emotional services. He needs social care. He needs something that will help him get his life back in order. Mm -hmm. And a cop with a gun is not the answer to that. So that, that's what defunding the police means. It means recognizing where are we failing in our communities and where could that money be better spent, not just because we think it will be better spent there, but because the science has proven that it will be better spent there. Now, uh, Chris, does that prove my long-going point that Batman's a fucking asshole because he steals from a publicly traded company at Wayne Enterprises to, that Lucius Fox can build him a fucking tank to punch clouds in the face instead of, I don't know, using his billions to make Gotham not look like a goddamn toilet that falls into the river every time there's an earthquake or Arkham explodes and lets the Joker out? Like, is it the same problem? I mean, I, I, I think the world might be a better place with less Batmobiles and more Batmobiles <laughs> and Bat Hospitals. <laughs> Right. So Batman is the biggest villain in the DC universe. I that 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 just settles it. Uh, and again, I did happen to talk comics, so you can't get mad when we go all politics all the time right now. Um, so why are people so scared of that, Chris? Ultimately, and I think that may brush up to what we're talking about here on the racism thing that led into the whole BLM outrage. That people are like, oh, well, then don't start looting. These people are criminals. George Floyd is a criminal. You know, Eric Garner was a criminal. Don't commit crimes and you won't get arrested. Right. So, so the thing to remember there is that there are a lot of things that are illegal that aren't technically wrong, right? For a long time, slavery was legal. Like it was legal to own another human being and do what you wanted with them. Is that ethically right? No, not at all. But you couldn't be arrested for it. So same thing in reverse. Is it ethically okay for a black person to walk down the street at night with a hoodie with their hands in their pocket? Yeah, that's fine. They should be able to live their lives. Is it illegal for the cops to roll up on that person and shoot them five times? Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's why people, um, when they say, you know, oh, don't be a criminal. Well, the point is, is that under our current system, what you think of as crimes aren't what the cops like the cops aren't being punished they're not being held accountable they're they're they are doing illegal things but they're not they're not being responsible for that and that's what needs to change yeah as tina mabry who's watching right now on facebook says the contract is broken yeah like, no, it, and, and it's been broken for a long time like this 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 isn't anything new i mean it, i actually just read a a really good book it's called um troubled the saints uh, i was doing it as a book review for lightspeed it comes out in july and it's a story about um a, a group of uh black individuals in new york in uh the early 1940s 
Um, but a lot of the stuff that the author talks about, the, the issues that she's discussing are totally applicable to what we're going through today. And I mean, and those weren't even new issues in the 1940s. I mean, racism, that's that's been around since this country has been founded. You know, segregation, like lynching black people, like that has been around for entirely way too long. And our country has failed to address the root cause of that, which is white supremacy. It's the idea that because you're born white, you will necessarily have an easier life because the color of your skin isn't causing you more distress. Now, it's not guaranteeing that you're going to have an amazing life, but a white person isn't going to face the same response from, from our justice system, from a cop walking down the street as a black person will. That's, that's just a fact. Or ultimately grow up to be our age while living with that burden of thinking that you're going to get murdered. Right, sure. exactly. Not doing anything, which has to, by the time you're our age, just, I mean, that has to be completely crippling. To think yeah, that, yeah. oh, yeah, one in every thousand. And so when I start hearing, seeing people who are, you know, getting on Facebook or they're shouting out and saying, oh, I guess COVID 19's over, people are gathering, you have to just look at the statistical possibilities of dying of like COVID 19 versus getting murdered by a police right. officer. Yeah, like, and, and, and that was something I pointed out. Like, I'm, I'm not willing to risk my family's life to go protest so I can have a soy latte. Like, that, that, that's dumb. Like, no one should be doing that. I am willing to risk my family's life by getting COVID-19 to go out and protest the fact that American citizens are being deprived of the same rights the rest of us have. And to me, that's, that's, that's not what the ideal of this country should be. And I know a lot of people like to talk about, oh, well, you know, this isn't what America is. But no, that's, that's always been what America is. It's just America should be something better. And it's on us to try to make it something better. I was talking to somebody last night. We were about to watch the documentary LA 92. Have you seen it? It's on Netflix. It's about the Rodney King verdict and everything yeah, that came out of it. And holy shit, the parallels between this time and there. And I want to talk to you about not just the parallels between what happened there from you know, the militarized police coming in and the National Guard coming in, not unlike what happened in this past week. Um, but there's also the differences that are happening. Whereas you know, I was young when Rodney King was uh, was uh, was beat up, and those those four officers were acquitted. And watching it last night, you watch it, and yeah, there was the altercation with the with, with the Korean shop owner kills the 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 fourteen year old girl. You've got the Rodney King verdict getting you know these guys all get get off the hook. Um, but it, then it very much turned into uh, you know an LA thing in mm -hmm. one in one way, but it also turned into a very much a race thing. And even though in right now, I feel like this is very much a race thing. When you start to see protests happening internationally for what's happening in the US, when you start to see things, it felt bigger. It feels yeah. bigger. And obviously like LA was burning in 1992. Like so much of Los Angeles was on fire and there were curfews like there are now, but this feels so much wider spread than LA and also not as violent. Like how are the differences from what happened in 92 to now? I, I think um, the rise of social media is playing a huge part in it because now it's, it is very, very hard for people to turn away from hundreds of accounts of eyewitness police brutality. Sure. Like, you know, you, you can look at, you know, the police beating Rodney King and be like, oh, you know, that's just a couple bad apples. Like, you know, this, this is just a one-time thing. But when you consistently see night after night after night, unprovoked police aggression on peaceful protesters, it is very, very hard to say that, oh, it's just a few bad apples because it isn't just a few bad apples. It is how the police have been conditioned in this country to deal not just with black peoples, but with protest in general, because they don't want people 
striking, protesting for the rights of others. The the and sorry, that that is a very vague thing. Right, um, but the idea that we're going to like look beyond our racial differences and start seeing what the main problem is, rich versus poor, yes. is scary to them. Mm-hmm. It's oh, it's very scary. I mean, and 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 that's the other thing is that. As, as you said earlier in your monologue, you know, as white people, like it's on us to fix this. Like we, we, as white people created these systems. We can't then expect the people, those systems are oppressing to be the only ones tearing them down. You know, we have to get there and start tearing down some bricks as well, because without our consent, the police do not operate without mm-hmm. our consent. The government does not operate. You know, we are the citizens of this country and it is by our consent that our political servants do what they're able to do. So if we withdraw that consent and say, we no longer support you, this is no longer what we want this country to be, then you either go full on fascism, which is obviously still an option on the table. Still an option on the table. Just talk yeah. to your good buddy, R, who was also present in LA in 1992. Right. But, he, but, he was Bush Sr.'s dude. Mm-hmm. And so, now he's Trump's guy. And so he knows all these tricks. Mm-hmm. And you saw them start to repeal that stuff when Obama was starting to do that. So you start seeing them repeal these things so they can't create this militarized police state. So, but, but what it does though, is it forces them to take the mask off. They can't hide behind respectability politics anymore. It's no longer, you know, oh, those thugs in the inner city are acting out. That's why we have to crack down. It's like, no, you just want to crack down on anyone who threatens your power. And one, more and more people are starting to see that which is why I think you're, you're seeing these protests continue, you know, not just in the U.S., but internationally, because I think a lot of people worldwide are, are starting to understand that there is a significant amount of power in a large group of people assembling together, united for a purpose. That is, that is very scary to those who study history. <laughs> but Chris, they've also said in this other system, which is the race to de-educate us. The race to have people like Betsy Davis come in and make sure that we're not aware and that our awareness is is shackled and we aren't educating ourselves or communicating and that we're not trusting their news sources. We don't have those resources to kind of educate ourselves or to communicate. And now we're, we have these little isolation areas where you see guys on Twitter being like, oh, yeah, Trump loses. Let me tell you what, we're going we're gonna to get real riled up. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Blue-collar comedy tour comeback? Like, this right. is yeah. so, so that that's the thing is that that's been the Republican strategy ever since the, um, what was it, the, the Dixiecrat strategy? Mm-hmm. Where, where they're, um, as long as you can make the, the meanest white man feel that he is above the best-off black man, right? Like, he will, you know, he, he won't care whose boot steps on his neck. I, I think it was Lyndon Johnson that said that. Um, but that that's basically been the Republican strategy is that, they flat out appeal to the racist portion of the United States. That is their base. And until we hold them to account for that, the problem is just going to continue festering and getting worse. And this is a problem that we are going to have to address as a country because it's not going to go away on its own. Did you watch the Watchmen series on HBO? I did. It was fantastic. I was thinking about that again yesterday. And first off, like David Lindelof can give me the lost ending a million damn times as long as, you know, but but, 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 he introduced the Tulsa thing back into the pop Mm -hmm. culture and the destruction of the black, uh, you know, um, Wall Street. And I'm glad he did that because it's such a little, I mean, it's such a little known piece of history and it's, it's absolutely shameful and haunting and disgusting. But the, what they were talking about in Watchmen, which I, I'll say right here on, on the show Geeks Gave, is I think the Watchmen TV series that was on HBO was better than the Alan Moore Gibbons 
book yeah. that, that, that he's been like saying is amazing in, in you know forever. People are like, oh, it's the greatest comic of all time. I think this HBO show is on another level and it has the integration of the police with the KKK and all this stuff. And it's like, Lindelof, did you have like a, like a, like a magic ball in C2020? So that's the thing though, is that he didn't need a magic ball to see into the future. All he had to do is look at our past because mm. that's, that's what America has been. I mean, you, you know, there are still places in, in Mississippi, in Arkansas, in Louisiana, where, if you're a black person, you don't want to pass through those towns once the sun goes down. You know, it's 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 not a sundown town. Like that's that that is why that Watchmen series is so good, be, precisely because it didn't predict the future. You know, it, it it's just showing us who we are. And in, like I said, until we come to grips with that, until we actively work to change that, you know, it's not enough to just say, "Oh, I don't see color." No, you have to actively be anti-racist. You have to be against racism. Like there's, there's no, there's no being on this one. You have to be Antifa. Right, yeah. <laughs> be an Antifa super soldier. <laughs> We're everywhere. Like, what? I had an Antiphony, and we call her Antifa, and now I don't know whether or not to trust her. She seems wild. That is a dumb joke, and I don't really have an Antiphony. Yeah, it's, well, no, it's, I, actually, I posted this the other day too. It was um, uh, Antifa is what uh, stupid people think a backup character in the new Final Fantasy VII remake is. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I did see that, and you know what? If you actually fell for the two-part Final Fantasy remake, they're going to be waiting ten more years for the second yep. half. Of, like you. you <laughs> You kind of need to fall for that joke. Like, I'm sorry, but like, yeah. what no, they I, did is I, I, I played it. Um, I actually, I, I really enjoyed it. How the the world building was amazing. Like, yeah. going into that world was amazing. The combat system was the worst combat system I've <laughs> ever seen in a video game. It made me so angry. <laughs> it, it just felt like the Capcom Capcom model that they did on Street Fighter, where they're like, oh yeah, here's part of the game. <laughs> and here we'll give you the rest at a later date you'll figure out and i'm like you know what even though i love those consoles i'm still a nintendo fanboy for that reason where they'll be like you know what metroid prime 4 it still sucks we're not putting it out until right. <laughs> um, tina mabry is just blowing up her comments yeah uh, no, that, that's a good one like watchful was timely and now trump is holding his first rally in tulsa and is holding it on juneteenth he, like he's holding this thing with his you know dog whistling like pretty close to the date of the destruction of the Black Wall Street. And all I got to say is like, this dude seems intent on putting the corona back in his coronation because yeah. like, what's he doing holding these rallies? So, so the thing is, that is an explicit call to his base. And I guarantee sure. Stephen Miller's behind it. And one of the reasons why is uh, Juneteenth is celebrating uh, freedom from slavery. It's it's you know this was this was when uh, freedom was granted to the slaves, and that that is why it is is such a widely revered uh holiday in black culture and so by him saying i'm going to have what is for all intents and purposes a white supremacist rally at the site of one of the worst massacres inside the united states by its own people against its own people on this day that is obviously super important to the very people who have been oppressed like that that is flat out it's not even a dog whistle it's a freaking cannon saying yeah. come rally behind me we don't care about these other people. We want America to be white, and that's it. And it's it, it's a really bad sign. I mean, I knew something was up, Chris, because I, you know, the, people are like, oh, they're rioting and this, and then you start hearing like really shaky stuff about how, 
you know, you end up seeing the videos online. You're right. Like social media is really educating people to what's kind of, what may be going on here where you start to see people who are not black and they're going in there spray painting BLM hashtags mm. on businesses and they're looting and it, it, and it looks like they're, they're trying to frame it. And all I need is evidence to how there is like outside influence, you know, like the dude who is the lobbyist uh, for the NRA from Iowa, who's been behind the whole open America thing. And like, you know, he got all the domain registrations and Facebook pages within like an hour of each other. Right. So it's like, you know, it, uh, you know, here's the biggest clue. Okay. That somebody is behind this. Uh, they were looting Santa Monica and Stephen Miller's parents house untouched. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if you were really <laughs> righteously protesting and burning shit down, that'd be the first yeah. place. To do like, if you were like black rage and you were fucking angry, yeah, you'd fucking go straight to Stephen Miller's parents' house and make a beer for their lives. It's, well, I, I, uh, part of the problem too, is that there are people showing up to the protests who they just, they want to fight. Right. They, right. And, and a lot of them are white kids because they see it as an opportunity of, Oh, I can go smash some windows and engage in some violence and I'll be okay. And, if you're one of the people doing that, knock that shit off because it makes it so much harder for everyone else because there is a valid stance to be taken on destroying property built off of your blood, sweat, and tears that you will never be able to own. Like there, there was a great clip from the other night where um, they, they were interviewing a black woman uh, down in Atlanta, you know, kind of talking about what's going on. And yeah, I think that's the clip that they ended this week tonight on. If you guys yeah, 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 that one. On YouTube. It's a fantastic clip. Right, yeah. Where, where basically her, her whole point is like, why the fuck do I care? If they burn it down, we don't own any of it anyways. But it was our blood and sweat and labor that built all of it. And I mean, that's, I, I don't know how you logically argue that point. Because if I was someone who had built all this stuff, but was forbidden to partake in any of it, I'd be pretty fucking pissed too. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't care if it burned down. I mean, now, obviously that being said, I hope we're not at the burning stuff downstage just quite yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to that stage, because again, this is America, one of America's original sins. And right. until we grapple with it, until we legitimately fix the underlying symptom of white nationalism, then the symptoms will not go away. Right. Um, Rick, though, over on YouTube says he's watching KKK protests in Georgia on Twitter right now. Police are smiling. It's so gross. Yeah. Saw someone post a petition to make the KKK a terrorist organization. I think I agree with you. And let's throw the NRA and MAGA in with it. I mean, if you're going to do hashtag Antifa as a terrorist organization, right. let's it's, do hashtag MAGA. Yeah, let's, let, let's tally up the body counts on both sides and see which one's ahead. Because I guarantee you, like, one side has killed a lot more people than the other. Shit, man. Uh, what do you tell somebody, uh, you know, who it says, you know, I mean, you, I think you covered it. It's just like when somebody is like, hey, I don't hate anybody and they just want to sit on the sidelines. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier, Geekscape. It's like, thank you guys so much for hanging with me for well over a decade and let me talk to people like Stan Lee and George Romero. Those are gifts that like I, I will never be able to repay you guys. But this is like a calling that I think we have to address. And it means a lot to me that you guys were really patient with me the last couple episodes and let me talk about this. We all have to be active with whatever platforms we have. What do you say to somebody, Chris, who's like sitting on the sidelines? You know what I mean? Like you were in the NFL and there were a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. Right. You watch stuff go down. Yeah. So, so, so I, I actually was asked a similar question to that. And um, the answer is, is that to be, to be racist doesn't necessarily mean that you're wearing a white hood and you're burning crosses on people's lawns. You know, that, that is a very visible outward indicator of racism. But to be racist means 
you allow the power structures that let those people in white hoods gather and burn crosses on lawns and you don't do anything to stop them. Oh That's my God, how many times have you been in a conversation in the last two weeks where people are like, oh, let's just agree to disagree? Right, it's like, no, that's, again, back to my earlier point, it's not enough to just stand aside. You have to actively be anti-racist. Like when the Nazis are marching on your side, you're on the wrong side. <laughs> like we, we, we firmly established that in the course of history, Nazi side, bad side, other side, good side. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know if you remember this from our like, when we were hanging out in November, but uh, Drew Brees and I graduated high school together, and he was obviously in the news because the whole kneeling thing. And I got to say, like, it made me actually feel really good that he turned around and said, "You know what? I was wrong on this." Mm -hmm. That's and well, like that. That's the other thing. It's okay to be wrong. It's 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 okay to not understand the the structures that surround you because you've never had to notice them before like you know it's like a fish swimming in the ocean right the fish doesn't know what water is that's just the world that it lives in so if you are operating in society and you don't understand why it's racist that's fine you you just haven't been made aware yet of all of these things that surround you that make up the world you live in however once someone does inform you of that, once you do learn about that, it then becomes your duty to dismantle those structures. Otherwise, you are helping perpetuate them. Are you quoting David Foster Wallace on my show? I, I'm not sure if I am or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think he gave that exact metaphor on awareness: the the, the fish swimming in the water, mm -hmm. and one of the big uh, fish comes up to the other fish and says, "How's the water?" And the other one goes, "What is water?" Uh, I think that was part of a of a graduation speech that uh, David Foster Wallace gave. Uh, and it's, I'll send it to you. It, it, they okay. turned it into a pretty awesome video. Okay. And, um, but and, yeah, and it's exactly about that. Like your awareness is your education, right? That is your education, your mm -hmm. awareness. Yeah. It's well, and, and that's also one of the reasons why one of the main planks of the Republican party for the last 40 some odd years has been defunding education and trying to shift those funds into private schools and charter schools. Is uh, that what bat, tanks, bat tanks? Oh, yeah, bat tanks, bat tanks, and uh, private bat schools. They they don't want public bat schools. They want private bat schools. <laughs> right. They, they you know you gotta have that. So so just to like talk about the defunding the police, like that is what I think is the the smart thing is ultimately like we do like police officers. We, we do believe that there should be police officers. We do not believe that they should be doing everything that we ask them to do. Right. Because it's, it's a disaster. Yeah. It, it's it's. What we want is justice. We want the idea that if someone breaks the social contract, you know, whether that's stealing something from your house or knocking you down in the street or whatever it happens to be, we want there to be the idea that there will be reper not repercussions, but that they will learn a lesson from that and hopefully be persuaded not to do that in the future and that they will be treated fairly in the same manner as everyone else. And what we have right now is not justice. Well, Chris, you've spent a large amount of your life uh, building your body up to a like standard that is above the normal individual, right? You played in the NFL. You had to get yourself there. W why not just like put on a costume and be like, "You have failed this city." Like, like what is keeping you from vigilantism at like any point here? Like, I mean, they're not getting caught for doing it. Like, what, you right. know, thought about this, putting on a mask. No one, no one respected you until you put on the mask. Right, until I put on the mask. That's actually, I will say that is one of the downsides to a lot of like comic book superhero type stories is this idea that there's a singular individual that changes things. Because in history, it's never like one person can be a catalyst. You know, they can inspire change. They, they can, they can inspire others to do stuff. Yeah, put on the cape. <laughs> 
I'll borrow one from my daughters. <laughs> but it, did, and what was the name of your book? <laughs> uh, beautifully unique sparkle ponies. Uh, I'll get embroidered with that. I'll be the sparkle pony. Come, it, come here it to very me. well, Chris. Like it's part of yep. the brand now. Yeah, but uh, but no, it's it's like if we if we want meaningful, lasting change, it has to come from a majority of the people of that society. And again, that means it falls on our shoulders as white people to be the main part of that change because we we are the majority of the people making this happen. So that's you know it's it's. It's, it's tempting as it is to be like, oh, I'm the Batman. You know, that, it just it doesn't work. Like, it might make you feel good for a little bit, but you're treating the symptoms. You're not treating the disease. Right. And, you know, I would just end up being like the Adam West one anyway. Like, right. like, <laughs> like yeah, he, you know, he's, he's not too tight around the midsection. And he kind of, he needs a lot of, like, really wacky gadgets. He's got that shark repellent. <laughs> it's, it just won't work. Speaking of people who are a little softer on the midsection, um... Is Ben Shapiro made of wood shavings and leftover ham? Like, what is this fucking guy's problem with the equivalent of shut up and dribble that he gave out in the news today? Can you explain what happened, Chris? Yeah, so uh, Ben Shapiro basically came out and said, um, I'm very upset because all these sports are being political and they're taking away my safe space. Sports is my safe space. And... Uh, ben Shapiro has made a large amount of money for himself by being a stupid, stupid person's idea of what a smart person looks like. Like that, <laughs> just like Trump is a stupid person's idea of what a rich person is. Yeah, no, no. He's, he he really he think uh, a lot of people think that because Ben Shapiro talks fast and uses some big words every now and then that that makes him a smart person. But that's not what makes you a smart person. I mean, there are a lot of people who can talk fast and use big words. What matters is what you're actually saying. What's the what's the actual content behind your argument? And every argument that Ben Shapiro has ever made has fallen completely flat on its face when presented with even the tiniest shred of resistance. He does he does not argue solid foundations of, of logical thought. And it right. is so infuriating. <laughs> because he has like a million and a half followers or something like that. Like, people actually fucking listen to this guy. I, I mean, it, and it's just like the entire world is politics. Like literally the air you breathe is politics because it is government regulatory commissions that are determining how much coal dust is allowed in that air, how much arsenic is allowed in your water, you know, how much sulfur can be <laughs> drifting down through your, your, your mucous membranes. Like, like everything is politics. There is no safe spot for politics. Like sports... Sports is totally political. Guess who paid for the stadium in your city? Most likely you and the other taxpayers. Like, Guess you who know, paid for career for standing up for gay rights? Oh, yeah. this guy, Chris yeah, I, I might know a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you say that? I mean, I'm joking, but would you say that that's a little bit true? Is that like, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, sure. in November, like, I mean, you're kicking. Yeah, you no, I, kick. I, I have. Yeah, if I hadn't spoken up, I, I would definitely still be playing in the NFL. I mean, it's it's the same thing that happened to Colin Kaepernick, right? Like he's he is he is an immediate upgrade for at least twelve NFL teams at quarterback. They're like, and I'm I'm just talking flat out, not even knowing the system, just in terms of pure athletic quarterback ability. He is an immediate upgrade for those teams. Um, but he doesn't have a job because he spoke out against something that the owners felt wasn't appropriate about being spoken out on in the NFL. However, they're just fine with military flyovers. They're just fine with giant salutes to the flag and recruitment drives. Those are politics too, but you never see anyone on that side complaining about, oh, let's get those out. You know, have you ever heard Ben Shapiro say, oh, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, dressing up our, our sports into nationalistic military jingoism? No, you'll never hear him say that. And and he knows he he'll never say it because 
he does not care about his arguments. Like he, he knows he's making bad arguments and he just wants you to kind of slide past that point so he can sell you freaking weight supplements or gold dust teeth or some crap. Or when Tucker Carlson is like, what does racism look like? Or they're going to come and get you. Right. Tucker. He has legit fear because he's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you see like Roger Goodell come out and say that he was wrong, how does that make you feel? Because you were in a climate where you saw homophobia going on and you spoke out on it. And like, I mean, you, you say that there's like 12 uh, quarterbacks out there, 12 teams out there that would give an upgraded quarterback. Do you watch kickers? And you're like, yeah, I could throw it over these mountains. Do you get a little, you get a little uncle Rico when you see some of these NFL players and you're like, you know what? I can still kick for a team. It's well, I mean, so, so that's the thing is that I, I made my peace with the fact that I, I might lose my job like before I even got involved because I knew that was one of the potential outcomes. And I knew that, okay, if I wasn't going to, to be able to live with that, then that was something that I should probably stay away from because, you know, as a person, it would, you know, it would start tearing me apart from the inside because I, I wouldn't be able to reconcile it with myself. Um, so yeah, I, de I definitely think I could still be playing in the NFL. Um, back to the Roger Goodell point, I think him coming out in the NFL apologizing is great public relations. Um, I'm interested in seeing who they're donating to for the presidential campaign. Right. That tells you what they really believe. Right. Uh, it's something that we've been dealing with in a small part here with Geekscape. Like I said in my monologue, when people are like, oh, you're doing politics now? It's like, come on. Like you said with sports, pop culture, comic books have always been right. political. Philip has always been political. Art so, form, has, art has always been political, and if it's not political, it sucks and it doesn't say anything. So, so case in point, comic books, the publishing industry. Who are the publishers? Who who are the actual people in charge of publishing comic books? Because I'll bet you money, ninety percent of them are old white guys. Right, and <laughs> like that's Marvel. Like when you see that going on, like that is mm -hmm. Marvel. And when you start to, what was really cool was seeing like Gary Con like Jerry Conway come out. Uh, and say, like, I don't want the police to take over my Punisher logo. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to start, like, getting artists to start making new Punisher logos for me because the, the, the militarized police are everything that the Punisher, like, would not stand for. Right, yeah, exactly. That's, well, and, and that's, that's the thing is that idiots have never been shy about repurposing symbols to, to things that those symbols do not mean. I mean, right. like, that's, that, that's been a, a primary factor of idiocy for a long time. Um, but yeah, it, it's again, if you don't think politics is prevalent in the stuff you enjoy in the media you consume, then you need to take a closer look at who is actually making the decisions about what is available to you. Because there are there are a lot of very good, you know, black authors, black writers, um, black artists, uh, black creators of all types who don't get the same chances that white people do because the people in charge for whatever reason, don't think that their work is going to sell as well. And so they, so they don't even give them the opportunity. And so what you see, the, the media that you're allowed to see is not necessarily representative of all the people creating that media. And Chris, how much of that has to do with what we said earlier with uh, the white population just being a majority of this country? And is that a, a problem? And this is not how I believe at all. I'm just playing some level of devil's advocate. This is almost psycho coming out of my mouth. Will the problem correct itself if we just keep braiding people out? Like if the majority, if the minorities continue to like like rise in this country, just on a demographic level, if they're, I mean, as a Hispanic myself, if like I can only make a Hispanic kid, if mm -hmm. you know, if if we keep going, like 
Does well, it have that, itself, Chris, or does it just become more violent as people right. try and hold on to their diminishing part of the island? Right. That's well. So historically, that's usually how how social changes happen. They they either happen very very quickly, um, due due to violent uh, uprising, or they happen over time as the ruling caste essentially just dies out and not enough rise to replace them. And so that that is also one of the other things that terrifies our current batch of white nationalists is that they can see the demographics of the United States and they can see it changing and they know that white people are going to become a minority at one point or at some point and what terrifies them is that they're worried they're going to be treated how they treat other people. And so the thing is, is that if we wait for that to happen, it might happen, it might not. Odds are probably in our favor, but it doesn't do anything for all the people that are suffering right now. Right. And I would say as an ethical obligation that we as human beings need to do everything in our power to help people right now because that's that's other human beings. Like they they absolutely deserve a chance to live their lives the same way I have the opportunity to, to live my life. I thought you were going to say there's a moral obligation for us right now to just have as many mixed relationships as we can. Well, I mean, that's get busy. Love will win. Like we, we can conquer this. Free love. I mean, <laughs> I know sex is tough for us. Yeah. But we have been known to climb that mountain occasionally. All right. Mm-hmm. And we got to do it and we got to do it with flavor. All right. Like we cannot just take, like we got to mix it up. Okay, Geekscapist, we got to level up on this one. That's how yeah. we're going to do it. Uh, but you're right. Like the immediacy of having people actually murdered. I'm joking, but like that is something that has to be addressed in the here and now. Um, let's talk a little bit of, while we're talking about the future, mm-hmm. your book, Otaku. Mm-hmm. It's available right now. If you guys are watching this, the show notes right there, there's a link. You guys can go over to Macmillan Publishing and get yourself a little little book. Uh, this is one that uh, we talked about in November, but it was published, I think, in March or April. March, and yeah. what, a, what a fantastic time to right? have a it was, it was, Oh, man, just perfect timing. <laughs> Shit, man, I'm really sorry about that. I was hoping that George Soros would hold off on the pandemic a little right? bit longer. Yeah, I mean, Bill Gates and his 5G microtransmitters, they really <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is we were talking about, I remember, like, I sent you an email. We were talking about how becoming a billionaire just changed, like, or like cross this money threshold and suddenly like you can't relate to other people and it changes you. And I was like, well, what about Bill Gates creating schools? And I wasn't even back in LA by the time that news story hit where Bill Gates was like, well, I won't give up all my wealth. And I'm like, yeah, hold on. Like, well, so, so for a current day example of that, like literally today and yesterday, uh, JK Rowling, creator of oh. the series of Harry Potter, thinks that trans people just aren't people. It's like, what is wrong with you? Like, you you could have just bought an island and fucked off to it and never done anything ever again. And the world would have been better than if you had started spouting off that nonsense. You were doing so well, JK. Like, right. we, we were overlooking parts of your book that were questionable. Wait, that were really racist. Like, <laughs> you were doing so well. Yeah, as, as someone pointed out, you named the only character Cho Chang. <laughs> <laughs> like really <laughs> the fucking sound effect that is literally the joke of like throwing a can down the street yeah that racist joke kids would say you know and you're like oh this is how you make a asian name you throw a can down the street and like jk right. rowling did that yeah no she she did it she literally did it and and like and the, and the craziest part is that she's not backing down at all like she she thinks she's perfectly justified in being like oh yeah you know trans people you're you don't deserve the same rights as everyone else it's like no 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 <laughs> 
like, double down on it. And just a warning if you're listening to this and you don't agree with the politics, would anybody DMs me or leaves a comment on the Geekscape stuff where we're getting political? And yeah, we're a little bit left. We're actually pretty left. Um, I literally send a message to the rest of my writers and podcasters when I get a DM like that and say, hey, crank it up further. Because right. come on, you got to use that platform for good. And yeah, no, Avery, she we ain't shaking her. She loves the content. She likes the show. She better come on the show. I love you, Tina, and you're an amazing director, and I love all the success you've had in TV. Let's get you on the show. Uh, she says, thank God for Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. <laughs> He's- I mean, that, that's the good thing is it seems like most of the other people involved with Harry Potter, like from the movie perspective and, you know, just surrounding it are like, yeah, no, J.K. Rowling, no, she doesn't speak for us. Like she, she's being a bad person. And, 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 and that's the thing, though, is that if you do have a platform, it is kind of it, it is imperative that you use that platform to help other people, because the way I always look at it is, OK, if I didn't have a platform and I was in trouble, I would want someone who had a platform to speak up for me. So if the roles are reversed, well, then I have to speak up for other people. Otherwise, how can I how can I expect it for myself? And what, somebody that uh, Geeks was just a pull back the curtain. Uh, I've been talking to Dan Fogler, uh, who's in Fantastic Beasts, that series. I think mm-hmm. he plays the Marvel dude. Um, been talking to him about getting on the show, but he's like in London. I don't know if they were starting to shoot the third Fantastic Beasts movies or not, but with the pandemic hit. But I was like, hey, man, are you on the East Coast? Are you in L.A.? And he's like, I'm in London. And I was like, it's going to take a little weirder. Like, we got to figure out how to schedule this one. But I'm trying to get Dan on the show. And it's kind of, you know, I don't know how he will answer that question because he's still actively involved in those movies, in that movie series. You know what I mean? It may be too much of a hot topic for him. So, so here's the, here's the thing, right? So John Boyega, right, went out in in London and and you know flat out was like, "Look, this shit is unacceptable. We need to be speaking up. I don't care if it costs me my job." And he's one of the people that has the most to lose from saying that. Like, if right. if you're a white actor or actress, it is absolutely incumbent upon you to stand with the people of color who are speaking out because. You lending your support to them shows that the people, you know, shows other people that this isn't just some isolated thing. Again, we, we cannot expect the people who are being oppressed to do all the work of tearing down the systems that are oppressing them. Right. Um, let's go back to your book, because, like, when we start talking, we start being like, oh, yeah, but what about that? What about that? And I agree. Like, the John Boyega thing was pretty inspiring. And he actually addressed it. He goes, this might be the end of my career. And immediately you start seeing it on Twitter. Not just you know uh, filmmakers of, of color, but people who are saying, "Dude, we got you. Right? Got you. Like, this will not cost you your career." Like what he's doing is amazing. And Geekscape, if you've been with us all the time, you know we love to tech the block from the beginning, and uh, we've been big, big John Boyega fans the whole time. Um, let's talk about your book. Uh, it's talk. We got to talk about this thing. I'm going to go ahead and like bring up the. Uh, uh, let's see, Geekscape is whole. If you're watching this streaming, just like take a look. Look at this. Look at this, Chris. Uh, there, look at that. Right there, the Macmillan website. You can order this book at Taco. It looks pretty good, right, Geekscape? Um, and, uh, dude, what is this about? We talked about it briefly uh, a little bit. Um, talk about your book. Like, what is going on with it? Yeah, so it's kind of like a love slash hate letter to game culture. <laughs> I've uh, I've been playing video games and board games and card games pretty much my entire life, and um, uh, especially like uh, MMOs. Um, I played uh, Ultima Online when it first came out, EverQuest, oh um, World of Warcraft. I was in a top three U.S. rating guild, so like I've, I've like seriously played games my entire life, and. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of you know one of the things that I've noticed is that people have this idea that like online space is somehow different than uh, you know the physical space of of real life, and it really isn't. Like there's so much racism that happens online. Like there's so much sexism, so much misogyny, and 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 people like to say, oh, just log off, right? You know, oh, oh, you know, just just don't don't think about it if it bothers you. But what what we're seeing with the rise of the internet in you know, but not just in the U.S. but worldwide is that it is becoming almost a, a necessity to have an internet connection to do a wide variety of jobs. And it's not like you can just log off. And so when I initially started writing a talk, it was pretty much in direct response uh, to Gamergate um, when all that shit was happening. Um, and I was not a fan of Gamergate. Like those, those guys are dicks. Um, and so what I wanted to do was I wanted to write a book that would be kind of the traditional like Gibson-esque cyberpunk, uh, you know, adventures, cool tech stuff happening that they would want to see themselves as the protagonists of, but it would become evident very, very quickly that they were in fact, yes, the bad guys. <laughs> and so the main character, um, uh, Ashley Akachi, she's a uh, uh, half black, um, half Japanese um, uh, bisexual woman with a lock of blue hair. Uh, Cause I figured that would tick all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but the thing was, the gamer gate is like scared of, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like their worst nightmare come to life. But the thing was, is that I didn't want that character to be a caricature, right? Like I, I wanted this to be a legit, like if you read Ash's story, then it should be recognizable as an experience that people have had. And so I, I made, you know, very, very sure that, okay, after, you know, after I'm done writing my first draft, getting lots of feedback, you know, from, uh, from women, from black women, uh, you know, pe people who have lived these experiences to make sure that what I'm writing is authentic to their experiences. And what I thought was interesting is that when I got the reviews for it, um, uh, Publishers Weekly really liked it. Uh, Booklist really, really liked it. Uh, gave it a starred review. Um, both those reviews were written by women. Uh, Kirkus gave it a terrible review. They what? hated it. Like they just, they savaged it. <laughs> On what grounds? Yeah. Uh, I, they didn't like the fact that uh, there was misogynistic language, um, that uh, there was racism. Have um, you been online? <laughs> have you been Zoom bombed? <laughs> Dude, have you been Zoom bombed? Getting Zoom -bombed I, I have not been Zoom bombed, but I know Holy what it is. Shit. Within like 10, 30 seconds, you're just getting barraged by the most homophobic, racist stuff ever. And they're like finding your names in Zoom and like calling out to you. I'm dating a woman named Heidi Cox. You think they were really nice to her when they Zoom bombed? No, <laughs> like, no. Yeah, they went right for the one with the last name Cox. Right. So, and, and so what I thought about the Kirkus review was that the reviewer was anonymous. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so like pretty much all all the women i've talked to that have read it been like yeah this this tracks really well this i've i've see exactly what you're going for and then a lot of negative reviews from guys mainly white guys who <laughs> are just like oh there's this isn't what it's like i'm like yeah you're kind of proving the point guys <laughs> so yeah geeks campus we got to live in that discomfort and i don't want to hear about any of you guys going on like your online games and, and acting like that uh yeah it's it's just well and, and and that was the thing because i do i do love games like i love and um to george pepe's comment i do not play classic wow um i i had to stop playing wow once uh once my second daughter was born because kids are more important than video games if <laughs> i needed games that i could pause <laughs> so, right that so, you, so you grow one that you can't pause? Like, wait a minute here, pal. Yeah, right. Like, you were like, I'm going to level up and I'm actually going to do like real right. life. When, when, when it's feed the baby or more DPS, I, I got to go with feed the baby. <laughs> like, right. You actually went and just like grew yourself a Tamagotchi. Good luck, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> instruction manual. It doesn't come with an instruction manual. No. But uh, 
Yeah, no, it's it's so um like I I, I also wanted there to be in the book, you know, pe- people who have played a lot of games, you know, who are who are conversant in in geek culture and in nerd culture. Like, there's I threw in so many Easter eggs in there where um I actually I actually had a a couple different people um when I was uh like doing my initial drafts and revisions uh did not know each other at all. They sent me like almost word for word the same uh, same text where it's like, wow, this is like Ready Player One, but it's good. I'm like, oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Ready Player One, I saw the movie, but yeah. uh, it's a visual like, feast. <laughs> when, when people started talking about the book, I remember when the book came out and people saying, Jonathan, this book is perfect for you. And they started talking about all the references. It just felt like I was going to be stuck in a conversation with the nerd guy who has to prove yeah. you how much of a nerd guy he right. is. And I just want to turn his ass off. It's a BuzzFeed listicle in a book. It, so it, it just, I was like, I don't know if I want to read this. It's, uh, you know, it just sounds like. A yeah, it's, it's, it's got, it, it's got problematic parts. Let's, mm. let's put it like that. But, uh, but no, that, that was one of the things is that like, you know, as gamers, we do love Easter eggs though. Like, like that's, it's so much fun, you know, to, to be like, Oh, you know, Captain America, I got that reference. Right. 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 <laughs> so, so I, I really wanted to throw in like you know a bunch of those, but in a way that made sense and that also didn't detract from it if you didn't know what I was referencing. So you know if, if you don't if you don't get the Easter egg, like that's fine. It's it's not necessarily meant for for you to be the person who gets it. It's you know for people who you know who have rated like eighteen hours a day, and you know that that's just a little something extra there for them. But at its core, I wanted the story to be something that everyone could relate to, which is the fact that hey racism exists misogyny exists exists online just as much as it does in the real real world and people who have to deal with that have to go through some serious shit and i mean as as we're seeing like that's that's not science fiction that that's reality and as we become more with this online world we're not fixing it here in the real world like it's just going to carry over into whatever second life avatar you got your fucking am crossing character is going to end up getting like Nobody who wants to cover their island in some terms. Like, you understand, like, the digital world that we are all going to is not an escape, it's integration in our lives. We're just going to carry our same, like, human problems into that one. Mm-hmm. And as George Pepe says, you know, real life is better than video games, always. I mean, dude, I love my video games, but, like, yes, it, it's just an escape for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, so the thing so, is, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's so much as an ex- escape. I, I think it's more our real, our physical lives are transferring more and more to virtual environments. And I think that's something that we as as humanity need to come to grips with because, you know, absent any sort of like huge societal breakdown, um, the internet's going to be with us for, for you know, right. the foreseeable future. So like we, we need to figure out how to interact with each other online in you know, in ways that that don't widen the rifts between us in in terms of, of being social creatures. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Rick though, you threw up and you said Jonathan, you have robot voice in the video. No, no, no. The Max Hedrum version of Jonathan is the real version of Jonathan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the, the, the Max Hedrum version of Jonathan is the real version, and. Um, Real quick, Chris, like, you, you are a game designer, too, and you create, like, tabletop games. You ran tabletop games there in Huntington Beach. It's just something, like, dude, I've been moving stuff to storage. 
I have like over 70 short boxes of comics. I have more comics than like a lot of the stores here in LA. And I'm sitting here and people are like, why don't you just open a store? Dude, you did that. You were like, I think I'm going to open a store. Like, I don't think I'm going to do that, man. Not in this economy. It's too damn hard. Yeah. No, it's well, so, so the one, one of the things that kind of sucks with the rise of um, like Amazon and, and the big shipping uh, companies is that um, the social spaces that you would meet up with other people to play games are going away because. Right. They, they just can't afford to stay open anymore. I mean, it's like the, the main, uh, the store I ran, it was in Costa Mesa. It was called uh, Mercenary Market. Uh, I think we were open for like four and a half years or so until they, they just kept raising the rents and raising the rents. And eventually we're like, look, we can't make the rent anymore. Like we, right. we're, we're a game store. We're not pulling in like millions of dollars. Um, but like what we wanted to provide wasn't necessarily a game store to sell games to make money. It was a space where people could gather and meet other people who were interested in trying the same things that they liked or, you know, finding new games or, you know, finding new people who like the, the games that they like. And we had a great community. Like it was, we, we had a bunch of people that, you know, they love coming in, they love checking out new games. You know, they, they'd be great about talking to new people, trying to get them excited in games. And I, I worry that like, especially, you know, with the pandemic going on, like it, it's very, very hard for brick and mortar stores to stay open right now. Um, so, you know, not to get off topic, but if you can, please support your local, your local game stores, your local bookstores, your local restaurants, you know, the small mom and pop joints, like they need your help more than the Amazons and the Targets and the Walmarts. And it might cost a couple extra bucks, but if you don't spend that money now, you might not be able to spend it in the future because all that's going to be left are the big corporations. So first, We've never done anything again. You're a game designer. Uh, sorry, say that again. You went robot voice. Okay. Uh, uh, open your mind to me, and I will integrate the neurons into your skull. No, uh, what I was going to say was, would you design a game again? Are you continuously still designing games? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working on a couple right now, actually. Um, I've got one that uh, designed with a friend of mine from Minnesota. And um, uh, don't worry about feeling my... Don't, don't, don't feel guilty about buying my book on Amazon. I understand, you know, for some people that is the only option. But, you know, when for <laughs> your, local, your local stores. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, in terms of games, um, we have a prototype of one we've been working on. It's, uh, it's kind of like a tile-laying um, competitive slash cooperative game. Um, there's another one that uh, my brother and I are probably going to start working on. He just sketched out the idea to me the other day, and it, it sounds pretty intriguing. It's... Um, if anyone's played Galaxy Truckers, uh, it's kind of similar to that in terms of like you're going on a journey, um, you know, trying trying to make it through the journey with surviving. But as opposed to building a spaceship like in Galaxy Truckers, like it'd just be with a deck of cards. Um, I, I have an idea for a video game that I'd like to do. Sort of a um, did you ever play uh, Dungeon Keeper back in the um, was that yeah where you could design a dungeon and then lead people through it and things like that is that correct? Uh, it was by Bullfrog. So uh, what Blizzard was before they were Blizzard, and yeah, you uh -huh. you were the, the commander of the dungeon. And you had to like recruit imps to carve out spaces and you know you lay traps and the, the heroes would come down. It was really really fun. So um, I have an idea for something like that, but sort of set more in like a um, an archer type universe. Uh, so you know you'd be the 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 happy working for the you know the the mad genius uh, tech evil dude and you've got the government agents coming in <laughs> so i've got uh I, i've got some ideas there but uh yeah no i've, I've got lots of ideas for games i, I hope and jim Pilgrimelli in brooklyn says dungeon keeper ruled all caps on that one it was releasing on the podcast it's all caps yep. uh, i didn't even tell you when you said ultima online like one of my my most important like memories as a kid growing up in austin was uh, it doesn't come from a long line of liberals. My dad would donate. Uh, Lord British would hold these events 
at his house. It was really castle had trap doors and had like a pool that goes inside outside. He, mm-hmm. it was, he had like two really amazing cars, like a Ferrari and like a Lamborghini. And one of them, the license mm-hmm. plate was Ola. The other one, the license plate was, was Origin. And like, I think my dad donated to whoever was running for office. I think he donated, you know, a bit just so that he could take me to Lord Bridges' house. That's good. <laughs> it was like, I think I went once or twice, and it was like, I mean, Dad, I'm so grateful for you for doing that because, like, holy shit. Like, he was a local celebrity, especially, like, making all the Ultimate games. He would play those games. I was like, oh, my God, the guy from Austin made these games, and it's pretty incredible. That's, yeah. Uh, he said Ultimate Online. I popped with it. Yeah, no, Ultima Online was great. It was, it, it is still one of the very few games I've played where you had the freedom to do whatever you wanted. <laughs> yeah. And that could be really good or really bad. <laughs> it, it, it was also hilarious how it was like, since it was one of those first like uh, graphic online games um, in terms of like using actual graphics as opposed to, to being like a mud, um, that your connection speed really, really mattered. <laughs> so like me and, me and my buddies, um, one of them, he convinced his grandparents to get cable internet, like, you know, back when everyone was still up on, on dial-ups and we'd all go over there to play just so that we, we wouldn't have as much latency so you can gain people. <laughs> hey, latency. Heidi, can you come in here real quick? Um, Ricto says next stream, make sure Heidi stays off the Wi-Fi. Lend her some comics or something. I don't think that will work, but maybe if I get HBO Max, you can watch Friends. Uh, say hi to Chris. And um, hi. What's going on here with the streaming here, Heidi? Uh, our podcast listeners don't care, but the people watching are like, "Hey, what's up with the Wi-Fi? Are you are you alone? No, I'm kidding. She's, she hasn't <laughs> been here. I just wanted to say hi to everybody. Hi everyone. Hello. Say hi. How's your, how's your studio the studio space is great. I want to remind you guys that during the pandemic, I'm streaming from the uh, Darling studio. That's Heidi's company, and this is Heidi's bedroom. So uh, I'm going to pay the rent to my production studio right here. And uh, that's that's the woman who's like, hey, make sure you pull that plug. So this game brought to you by Heidi. That's why it looks so brilliant here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not my artwork. Oh, buddy. That's... Um, <laughs> The princesses stuff right there. Uh, was the queen. The queen. Okay, she, she corrected me. She's like princess. I thought it was the queen. Okay. This was a bad idea. Um, Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Heidi. <laughs> um, all right, well, Chris. In closing, we've talked a lot about a bunch of we're talking about a bunch of stuff. What I want the Geekscape to do, though, what I really want you guys to do to thank Chris for coming on the show is again go pick up a taco. If you guys have a local bookstore that's doing like curbside delivery or maybe you guys live in one of those places that opened america and it's like hey we're gonna let's get that second spike going um go pick up a taco in your local bookstore and if you're george pepe you just don't have a choice order it off of amazon but either way you know maybe get like a digital version there's digital versions uh, but yeah go pick up a taco it, it sounds great it and, sounds awesome. and if it doesn't sound like something you would want to read if you could go donate some money to like a bail fund for protesters i would really appreciate that because uh, there, there are a lot of people who are going to have their lives kind of upended by going out and trying to do the right thing. Um, bailing them out of jail is one of the most concrete actions you can take right now. Cool. And how many of these people, you know, because I've, I've listened to some police officers say, like, hey, these people don't have any, like, they don't need to be bailed out. They don't have any charges pressed against them. We're just holding them. That kind of thing. Is that bullshit? Um, I mean, it probably depends on the precinct. Uh sure. I, I know there are in New York in particular, um, the uh, the uh, 
prosecutor, the lead prosecutor, has said he's not going to protest, uh, prosecute anyone with, um, you know, with protest charges or being out after curfew. But, you know, depending on where you live, it, that might not be the case. So um, I would say uh, a, a fairly a fairly good Twitter site to follow. They're called Unicorn Riot. They're kind of a, um, a press collective based in uh, Minneapolis. They, they've been doing excellent work, uh, not just following the George Floyd case, but also following, you know, a bunch of other um, situations around the country. And they have been for a long time. Um, they usually have a pretty up-to-date list on where funds are needed um, and how they are helping people. And um, I know the uh, was it the the Minnesota Defense Fund. Um, they they had gotten a ton of uh, um, of donations and um, basically like, all right, we have more than we need. Here are other uh, here are other places you can donate to, you know, to help people who who uh, might be getting in trouble because of the protests. So, so um, if we follow Unicorn, right? Did I get that right in the in the banner? If, um, if, I, if I, we follow I, them, then then they might have those resources. Uh, I think it's actually U R underscore Riot. Um, I believe I'd have to look it up, um, but yeah, that. yeah, they would have, they would have a, um, let me actually, let me look it up real quick. It's um, all good. I mean, they can follow you, Chris, right now, Chris Warcraft. Yeah. I mean, I, I retweet a lot of stuff, so. <laughs> uh, you talk a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of boneheads that come at you on Twitter and oh, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. it's, it's you are underscore ninja. That's okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to face this one. It is you R underscore ninja. I can do this. I can yeah. do this. And they, like I said, they've been doing great work um, in terms of covering not just protests in in Minneapolis, but protests all over the country. And I'm um, just trying to educate people on, you know, what what the reality is like for for people on the ground um, at these protests, and just in terms of of fighting back against a militarized police state, because that's basically what we've turned ourselves into. Well, Geeks Gamers, we can turn it around. Uh, I want all you guys only to follow Chris at Chris Warcraft on Twitter. I don't know, just want you guys to go order a taco or uh, look and see who you guys can offer bail relief funds to. Um, I want you guys to find the people in your lives who aren't registered to vote. I want you guys to get in the vote because, as Chris said earlier, like everything is political. The air we breathe, every single decision we make, is controlled by some form of politics, and we gotta stay engaged in it so that the system doesn't go to shit like what we're seeing outside of our windows. So. Find the people in your uh, life who are like, oh, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. It, like, I don't know who to vote for. They're all the same. What about that one? They're all the same. And get them engaged in the voting process. Let them realize that the reason they're having a tough time at life right now is because they sat at the last one. Right? So get them to vote. Register to vote, Geekscape. Is that something you're going to start hearing a lot of here on Geekscape? If you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Chris, I love you, dude. Um, hopefully, we, we'll see each other when this whole thing is over. And um, maybe play some tabletop games. Maybe play a new one that you've got coming out or something Ooh. like that. You know, Whatever you want. That would be excellent. And, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for you know, thanks for spreading the word. Yeah, what we got to do is we got to go back to Comic-Con. I don't know if you get July's off. But <laughs> maybe, maybe come to – this is what you do. Okay, Chris, I'm going to give you a mission. Mm-hmm. Get, get yourself another game developed. Uh, maybe have the people over at McMillan send you some copies of Otaku, and then let's have you at the Geekscape booth at Comic Con, the real Comic Con, the in-person one, not the virtual okay. one coming up. Let's get you there in July 2021, and let's get you to hang out at the booth a bit. Cool. Yeah. No, I'd love to. I, I will absolutely talk to the the publicist at Tor. Cool, man. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, guys. That is uh, Chris Cluey. You guys can pick up the book again, Otaku, but. 
go get it locally. Go help out those local businesses that are struggling through the pandemic. This is Geekscape. You guys have been awesome. Thank you guys for letting me talk politics. You can follow me at Jonathan London on all those things. And uh, just search for Geekscape. You'll find me on the social medias. You'll find Geekscape. Listen to the other podcasts from One Hit Thunder to Matt Mania to Horror Movie Night to all the podcasts that we provide. And uh, we love you guys. I'm going to go cook some dinner. You guys are the best. Um, Geekscape forever. Over and out. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.